You're listening to QPod, featuring wide-ranging conversations on business and technology, focused on a broad range of topics, including digital finance solutions, advanced analytics, and the intelligent enterprise. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining uh, the Cubix ESG Playbook for the Office of Finance webinar. And uh, let me introduce myself. You're hearing the voice of Paul Johnston. Um, I'm the country manager here for Cubix and also have been driving our initiatives around uh, ESG and how we can help our clients to optimize their ESG reporting. And I'm joined by Andrew Mason. Hi there. Yep, I'm Andrew Mason. I'm the head of EPM uh, here at Cubix. Um, I have a long history of working within uh, EPM solutions, um, both on, on a client side, but also as, a, as in consulting. Um, the last four or five years have really been spent for me within the big four, where I really got exposed to the ESG side of things within our finance transformation. So it's a really exciting topic for me. Great, Andrew. Great. Glad to, to have an expert in the room. Uh, so Thank thanks, you. Thanks for joining us. So let's have a quick look in, uh, on the agenda for today. So we want to cover off about five different topics. First of all, we can't talk about ESG without talking about frameworks. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on framing the frameworks. Then we want to share with everybody the approach that we would recommend people take, particularly within the finance function, where we think this is, this is most crucial. On the process, what's the kind of leading practice approach to, to doing ESG reporting? We want to talk about the core platform capabilities that will be important particularly uh, where ESG reporting needs to be an agile and responsive uh, process within the business. That's going to be important. Then we want to show you a couple of recordings of a solution so you can get an idea about how a solution would look and feel, the functionality, the user experience that would be there. And then we want to talk about how we as a company, Cubix, can help you accelerate to a different level of ESG reporting. So those are the topics. We're planning to get through this all in, in about 40 minutes. So let me kick off. Uh, for those of you, uh, I know that some of the participants here uh, do know Cubix and, and are perhaps a client of Cubix. For those of you watching or listening for the first time, very briefly, Cubix is, was founded back in 1987. We specialize in the implementation of Oracle, ERP, EPM, and advanced analytics solutions. We have teams in five locations around the world. Uh, we're a team of about 150 people. We've implemented something in the region of a thousand plus uh, uh, projects. And on the right hand side of the screen here, you can see the depth and breadth of the type of solutions and problems that we've solved for our clients. Obviously, ESG reporting being one of those, but cost allocations, profitability analysis, standard enterprise planning, budgeting and forecasting, accounts reconciliation, basically everything to do with finance transformation and improving the finance function and the effectiveness of finance of the finance function. Uh, we're also a company that invests in R&D, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one part of, of the solution we see for ESG reporting later, uh, which is the Cubix CloudBridge product. And we're very proud to be a multi-platinum, uh, sorry, multi-award winning Oracle partner as well. So hopefully that gives you an idea. Essentially, Cubix specializes in helping finance teams be more successful. That's our mission in life, and that's all we do. So let's start we're kind of rolling back a bit and, and starting at a higher level. Why are we all uh, thinking and, and uh, talking today about ESG reporting? Well, really, it's because of the massive shifts that have happened in civilization. It's the massive impact that we've had on our planet and how that is now playing out 
uh, in, in the world we live in today. So whether it's the growth of the middle class that has driven demand for scarce and natural resources and the knock-on effect of that, whether it's globalization, digitization, the efforts around the world that people are doing to expand their businesses, expand their footprint, expand the products and services they build and create, all of this has an impact as we know on the climate. And what that now is resulting in is a society where society is beginning to want to understand more about the values, the culture, and the ethics of, of businesses as it relates to their ESG reporting, or their sort of, not ESG reporting as such, but their, their sustainability values, their environmental values, and um, yeah, their, their worldview on the impact their business is having on society. And that, of course, is now leading to the desire for greater transparency and in reporting and new standards of reporting. That's why we're all sitting here today, I think, is to understand um, how this is impacting us. So as I said, let's start with looking at what the actual frameworks are or talking about the frameworks. So I think the key thing that the big picture here is that the frameworks are confusing. I think a lot of people would find them confusing. There's a, there's a lot of different formats. There's a lot of different approaches. But I think the critical element, I think, Andrew, you would agree, is that the most important thing to be thinking about here is that investors now want what they've always had from finance teams, which is consistent, comparable, reliable, trustworthy, auditable disclosures, just as, as it's always been in finance. And Andrew, I think this sort of uncertainty with the different standards, I mean, what's your, what's your view on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I think taking a step back, we, we've been here before, you know, in terms of needing to collect this data. If you think back to the whole SOX um, times when suddenly lots of financial disclosures were needed um, and, and standards were being set up at that point, we're sort, of, we're sort of in the same place again, but probably on a much bigger scale because yeah. there's so much more information, you know, to gather. In terms of the frameworks, the battle's still going. Let's see how they land. And that's why I think you'll see later we talk about maybe the focus needs to be more around the data that facilitates those frameworks as well. I just just one last point. You know, this is specific to finance. I want to be clear here that finance is in a really strong position here in terms of driving um, yeah. all of this. The experience they have gone through with those other previous financial disclosures, SOCs, etc. The skill set is there, and finance needs to be right at the heart of, of what's happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for putting the finance lens on this this um, variety of formats, variety of frameworks. Yes, it's distracting and we can talk about that and we will talk about that now, but critical is that the procedures and policies and approaches that finance already have to financial disclosures gives a, a huge advantage in terms of being ready for this. And that scope, by the way, of ESG reporting, there may be people here on this call that already understand fully what the, uh, what the scope is. But I give you an example. I picked up recently um, a World Economic Forum a framework that they put together with some of the big four uh, and some other some other of the reporting standards uh, reporting bodies sorry it was 80 pages long and this was considered the simplified version 80 pages long and had more than 800 different data points um, across these areas it's a huge undertaking and, and i think you know the the core challenge here i mean andrew what do you what do you see as being the core challenge with this variety of reporting I mean, I think it's 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 the volume, uh, it's the complexity. It's um, we don't even know if the data exists that we're going to need um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's it's potentially huge, and it's not ending yet. So there's more things going to be added to this. We've started a journey in terms of some of the governance areas have been going for a while in terms yeah. of gathering and reporting that within annual reports and the social to an extent. But the environment is just going to be huge, and it's global as well. So we're going to have to find data, you know, sitting in one of our uh, a plant, you know, in the middle of a jungle in South America. You know, it, it's just the the it could be absolutely huge, but it will be. Yeah, and I think, you know, finance reg reporting, we kind of understand that scope of data, but this takes it to another level. And I, and I think this is why you'll hear throughout our, our, what we're sharing today is we think data is, is the most crucial aspect of this. And the frameworks are, are critical, but they're probably not the biggest challenge. So we've got a lot of variety uh, of data types and we've got a lot of different standards. There is a, there is a group of five uh, that are out there. Uh, the core group, you know, the SASBs, GRI, CDP, uh, I think you'll find that um, SASB tends to be uh, the most popular reporting platform, uh, disclosure platform, particularly around investor disclosures, where, where you've got a, a singularity of ESG data you want to share. GRI tends to be a bit more focused on the non-financial metrics. But the bottom line is there's, there's still a lot of different standards out there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think if you had people here from TCFD, WEF and UN uh, SDGs, they would be up in arms that you're not including them in that slide. But I think that just plays to the point that, you know, these frameworks are starting to crystallize, but there's still a long way to go yet. And I think even when they do, there's still a long journey in terms of their, you know, evolving to, to some sort of final standard, if we ever do get to a final standard. Yeah. And I think, again, what we are going to share in a few minutes is... We're trying, we, we believe there's a way of future-proofing this reporting, that there's an architecture that can be built out that enables businesses, finance teams to be able to react and respond to these changes in actually a very smart way. But if you are at the stage where you're unsure about what, what reporting framework you should, be, um, you, should, you should be considering for your business, I mean, there's a number of different ways to think about this. We're happy to work with any consultancies that you are currently working with. Uh, but we're also happy to recommend uh, consultancies to you as well. The key uh, approach is what's called a materiality assessment, where essentially what you're looking at is a way of understanding your business through two key lenses, really. One is the impact of the reporting frameworks on your organization, and the other is the impact on your stakeholders. And those stakeholders would, of course, include your shareholders, your investors, your, your staff, and your, and your customers as well. So the, the materiality framework will give you the opportunity to do that, looking through basically understanding your alignment as a business to the type of framework. Secondly, um, how that framework enables you to engage with your stakeholders and what is it and specifically, how do you want to, to do that with your stakeholders? And thirdly, in what targets you're gonna set yourself. But again, if we drill this down one step further, so as I said, we're happy to help in this area with consultants that we work with. We're also happy to work with your consultants. Broadly, if, if you are quite new to this space, there's, there's essentially single materiality or double materiality is, the, is, is uh, the way to think about which framework to use. And as I mentioned earlier, if it's purely financial, if you really want to just explain to your shareholders and investors you know, your, uh, uh, the, the right framework is probably SASB, although as uh, Andrew just said, there's also now TCFD, uh, which becomes um, enshrined in the UK from April next year. 
So if you've got uh, double materiality, when you would look at financial and non-financial, the most common framework to adopt would be GRI. So between these three, I think people have got their, their bases covered and we're happy to work with it with any of those environments. Yeah, I, I think I'd just add as well that, um, you know, there's, there's seemingly been a drive in terms of investors needing to see the, you know, these, these ESG reports through the frameworks. What, what I've interestingly picked up recently in a lot of conversations and articles is that are, are investors really looking at the ESG metrics? And actually, my feeling is it's what's going to be more important, and to the point on the double materiality there, is how society, consumers, um, how they view organisations' approach to ESG. You know, and, and at the end of the day, if they don't take it seriously, they don't report it transparently and then act upon it, you know, they could be, um, you know, they could be part of the cancel culture. You know, people will choose to go elsewhere, but they feel more comfortable, um, you know, purchasing from, for example. No, that's a, that's a valid point. It is, I think society more broadly is now looking at, at the, at businesses. So we want to just frame the frameworks. And I think the, I think we've established there um, that it's still a kind of an open book. There's some complexity in it. Um, things aren't certain, but you can prepare for that future. And let's talk through, essentially how to do that, what we refer to as our ESG reporting playbook for finance. In that uh, World Economic Forum report uh, I mentioned to you earlier, I, I was struck by this statement. And the World Econo Economic Forum basically believed that the organizations who, have, who are data rich, who have really understood that data and data management and use of data is their core uh, principal activity, they're going to have a strategic and enduring advantage. And there is a, there is a big, big synergistic relationship between the quality of your ESG reporting and your, uh, you know, your outward communications and your ability to actually capture that data, manage that data and bring that data under control. So it really is actually all about the data. And this is, this is what I'd say is, is the key message today for us is that, is that um, as we've established, there is a number of key data points there. I mentioned the uh, WF report, 800 plus different data points, 56 different measurement areas, over 80 pages of content from such a wide variety. And your challenge as finance teams actually probably looks quite familiar in that a lot of this data is, is siloed. It's perhaps in spreadsheets, it's off book, so to speak, it's not organized. We, we recognize this problem. I think finance leaders are, are uniquely positioned to help in this area, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you know, I really, this, this is my favorite slide, or at least the heading is, it's, it is all about the data. And I think, uh, as we say, finance is at the heart of this because they're used to this experience where we've been through it before. And I think, I think what's happened is, is people have lost focus of the data and become a little bit obsessed with the frameworks and which framework is it gonna be? And of course, the frameworks are critical because they're the pull from, from the data, but they're just one factor of the puzzle. Hmm. And, and what, what I think organisations have got to stop doing now is delaying and delaying, thinking, let's wait and see where the frameworks go and actually start focusing right now on the data yeah. you know, immediately. Yeah, getting ready for that. And, and of course, you know, again, finance um, already understand the process of collecting data for regulatory uh, disclosures. And we would recommend that you adopt the same principles as a finance organization in terms of the process that you run to collect your data, validate your data, have it auditable um, and, and of the quality of standard that, that's required. 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is you look at this. It's this is tried and tested in terms of what we do with financial data, even our KPIs, financial disclosures. It's the same framework essentially. It's just going to be a bigger, bigger size of what we need to tackle. Effectively. Yeah, and I think you know if we there's probably a couple of points on this slide that are worth expanding upon. So data lineage and auditability is is critical for ESG reporting. And I think that, um, again, we've got a, an architectural approach to that that's going to make that uh, possible for you, particularly because you are, it is a requirement to be able to demonstrate the integrity of numbers. And I know Andrew's going to expand on this a little bit later, but we're also of the philosophy where ESG reporting should be fully integrated with your financial and operational planning. And maybe I won't steal your thunder on that, Andrew. I know you want to expand on that later, but we, I think you refer to it as the triple bottom line. Yes, exactly. Yeah? Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, but take, take that point away is that we highly recommend that ESG reporting is integrated into your current budgeting, planning, forecasting processes, and there's a tight link between them. So this visual I think is, is interesting because it kind of lays out what is the scope here? What is actually, what are we looking at in terms of the, the task that's underway? Um, and of course, at the bottom of the slide there, you've got all of the different you know, data points and areas that you need to collect information from, whether it's CSR teams, reg teams, HR teams, ops teams, uh, manufacturing teams, supply chain teams, perhaps uh, a huge uh, volume of source data and places to go to. And I think that can be a bit overwhelming, but actually I think, there is a method, there is a way of just breaking this down and understanding how to bring that data under control in a, in a uniform fashion so that you can then take your ESG reporting outputs to the level that you need, whether it's in your board packs, actual dedicated ESG reports or sustainability reports or internal KPI reporting. So I think this is a great visual to understand the, the total picture of what the ESG reporting process is. Yeah, I think it helps to bring clarity here and understand, you know, that it is very complex. There's a lot of inputs. There's a lot of factors to consider. Um, but at the end of the day, it's essentially around gathering a, a large set of data, you know, validating that data, controlling that data properly, and then deciding where it's reported from, be it in sustainability reports, ESG um, you know, sort of dashboards, or even as we see now often in the annual reports as well, you know, but doing that alongside, you know, the other sort of expectations from investors, etc. Yeah, looking at looking externally as well, as you think about your um, ESG strategy and your footprint and who, what, what data do you want to collect also externally, I think that also needs to be factored in. So let's have a look at um, if, if you've got this complex problem, and you need to future proof, you've got a complex data management problem, you need to future-proof your reporting approach because of the variability in frameworks and what's likely to be a sort of ongoing dynamic situation. We've identified, we think, about six different core capabilities that, that are going to be uh, critical to you. First is a full data orchestration and data automation capability, because at its heart, as we've said, and perhaps it's now um, be becoming repetitive, data and data management is crucial. So as part of your reporting architecture, you need to have a, a layer in that architecture perfectly or purposely designed around data collection, data management, and data automation. And, and for example, the ability to connect with Internet of Things devices in real time to pull that data in, particularly from sensors, you need to think about that type of architecture if, if you have data sources in that area. 
And you need to be able to think about being able to map your data or manipulate it across multiple frameworks. So a tool that gives you that full data orchestration capability. And ideally, I would say simplified in a way in that it's not a necessarily an IT engineering tool, um, but more focused on what a finance operations team could actually manage and control. And you obviously need support for multiple frameworks and particularly the ability to use you know, a single data point and present it in two different ways for two different frameworks. I think that that's a critical component. Andrew. Yeah, okay, so um, Paul talked about this before. You know, this is a part that I'm pretty passionate about. It's a piece that I think I think has been a little bit neglected as people have focused on frameworks and, you know, sort of getting the actuals. But we really have to now start thinking about integrating ESG in that triple bottom line, you know, so environment, social and economic or finance, um, you know, and, and as we're making business decisions, so we're making finance or operational decisions, we should be thinking about the ESG impact of that. In fact, we should be looking at it equally. So it's critical that any solution that you look at, you know, can accommodate that. So driver-based planning and planning that can be linked, you know, fully integrated planning as we talk it now, is not just about operational and finance, it's got to bring in the ESG factors as well. Definitely. Also, it needs to be of global design and global accessibility. And so, you know, back to your example, Andrew, of um, a manufacturing plant uh, in a, you know, in a remote area somewhere, yeah, people need to be able to connect, right? They're going to be, it has to be cloud-based, essentially. You have to be able to access these systems and you have to have support for multi-country, multi-currency, multi-metric reporting. That's, that's also critical. And also the ability to uh, you know, look at local units of measure and being able to convert those easily. So transforming that data um, into different um, formats is going to be crucial. And also, of course, at the end of the day, uh, what the society wants to consume, what your investors want to consume, shareholders, et cetera, is that content. And actually, you know, perhaps it's an unusual word to use in finance, but beautifully created documents digital, <laughs> preferably, um, and you want to, there is a way of, of creating a process where all of that is managed in a single workflow, where you've got people collaborating on the documents, and where the data in those documents are taken from a, a source of truth and, and a lineage so that you know that that data and those reports that you're sharing externally, not only present your brand very, very effectively, you also know that the data in them is, is absolutely real and reliable. Um, so that, that is another critical component of a solution, Andrew. Yeah, and then, so obviously the audit side, uh, you know, there's voluntary audit uh, happening already right now, but, you know, at some point this is going to become compulsory. So getting ahead of the game and making sure the system is, is fully compliant with any audit needs is, is absolutely critical. And in lieu of that, also ensuring everything you do is very transparent because people, I'm, I'm hearing more and more people diving into the numbers to see them being validated on their own perspective, not just via an audit. So having that linkage end-to-end -end is going to be really key. And then, of course, the, probably the heart of all this is the single version of the truth. You know, we talked many, many years back about having this in finance, you know, and, we, and we've moved well on from that. We've got to do the same now with our ESG data. You know, we talk about a general ledger. We need an ESG ledger that is the trusted place to go to. Until you've got that, you're always going to struggle with whatever reporting you do and whichever framework. Absolutely. So let's let's actually look at we, we want to give you a, a conscious of the time. We want to make sure you can actually see something live. So first of all, we're happy to come and meet with you um, and talk to you in detail about this our ESG data architecture. So we've really looked and defined exactly how to approach this, how the interconnections between 
your GL ERP systems, performance management systems um, are, uh, are governed and managed, how the data moves between those. Um, and if, if you look at the top, from our perspective, the, the entire architecture around sourcing, staging, uh, transformation, and then making that available for reporting, but all of the governance that underlines that, the securities and the controls that are required, you know, this is not something that should be ad hoc. This is not something that uh, should be, um, how shall I put it, you know, left up to individual departments to have individual ways of doing things. I think that's going to create long-term complexity um, and remove the integrity from the process. So the solution today that we want to quickly preview, if, if I simplify this for you, broadly speaking, the, the approach that Cubix recommend for our finance teams is to is obviously you've got data coming from all sorts of different sources. Now we understand that, we've talked about that a lot. And we recommend that you would um, deploy Cubix CloudBridge. And the reason for that is CloudBridge is that data orchestration platform. It does have all the capabilities you need to manage the master data, to understand the lineage of that data, to automate data collection, to, um, to automate uh, data collection from a variety of different data sources, um, to also be able to manage the governance of that data, manipulate it, manage the hierarchies, and have a lot of pre-built integrations to the critical tools that you already use today. And CloudBridge is a strategic advantage from that perspective because it's going to give you all of those tools. Then we'd suggest that you're going to bubble that data up into what we just referred to as a, a, a staging layer or ESG marts. And in these ESG marts, you can then consume that data knowing it's, it's in the format required, knowing it's of integrity, and you can then bubble that data up and output it into your ESG reports, to plans and forecasts, um, to KPIs, you can integrate it with your analytics environment as well. And of course, that can be a two-way connection. There may be information that you want to bring back into your ESG marks from these other sources as well. I don't know if you want to add anything there, Andrew. Yeah, I think it's useful to look at this in terms of an ESG journey as well and how and how you might move through sort of levels of maturity. So you can see that that one version of the truth place to hold the numbers um, to be able to report from them, you know, have a level of validation and control and auditability around that is key. And then, as you mentioned, CloudBridge brings that whole data integration piece. We've spoken about how important data is going to be. You have to have the right tool to manage what is going to be a, a relatively complex, you know, widespread exercise that's needed. You know, once you've got that area, you're in a really good place, but you've then got to look at the rich reporting, as we've talked about before, you know, and that, that's met with all the narrative side of reporting as well. And then, of course, the Nirvana, the thing I've always gone about is the whole, you know, the link to the planning ecosystem and mm -hmm. becoming embedded in that. And, and to that point as well, you know, ACCA, TCFD have both released recent sort of papers on this, you know, saying the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. So you've got to be fit, you know, you've got to have a solution in place ready to incorporate all of that at the right stage as well. So let's have a quick look, Andrew. Um, yep. Let's um, let's. So what we've got for you here is a preview of the. Uh, so obviously, from a Cubix perspective, we are an Oracle partner, and what we're looking at here is the Oracle EPM platform, um, and the uh, the ability now to essentially use a platform perhaps you already have to update it to to make it part of your ESG reporting. So let's let's have a watch of this. Okay, so let's take a look. Um... Uh, going in now into um, the Oracle EPM cloud. Um, this is an application. Um, we've pulled together some of, some of the things we've been doing with our clients, um, at, you know, for illustrative purposes. And let's walk through some of those and I'll talk about some of the ideas as well um, and the evolution of where we're going with these solutions as well. Let me start by saying, 
<coughs> apologies. This is, um, this is, as I said, this is the Oracle EPM Cloud, and this is the planning um, element to it. As you can see, it's a web-based, so those who aren't familiar, it's very accessible, which is absolutely critical when we're now dealing with, you know, um, submissions of data potentially globally as well. So, of course, it will render on iPads, it will render on, on um, uh, even on phones. So, a real key importance here is the accessibility of the solution. So, I'll start by going into one of our forms, and this is basically our um, uh, our environment form. So we obviously have an environment, a social, and a governance form, and we've worked with clients to understand, you know, what what are the metrics that need to be included within their overall capture and reporting. Um, and you can see this is an example of the environment one, some very familiar ones that I think everyone will, will now be very familiar with, the scope one and scope two, in terms of um, CO2 emissions. But you can see here in this view at the moment, we've got our annual total showing. Um, as we go across, we look at a more monthly um, forecast plan. <clears throat> and that's an important thing to now really start considering is, you know, when we talked about um, reporting or even planning, um, you know, financials, we'd never be doing that on an annual basis. You cannot course correct based upon even a quarterly or annual basis. We now have to move this cadence to monthly. So monthly ESG reporting in line with your monthly financials. That's the expectation. Um, you can see across here then we do also have future plans and quite importantly and we'll come on to the planning piece later but you can see also the transition to a FY25 or 2026 plan as well which is going to be really important as I said I'll come back to that but it's really key because what we see at the moment is a lot of um, a lot of people are reporting their ESG metric numbers and they almost jump from FY20 to 25 with some you know very ambitious targets but no real substantiation and that's going to become more important more important and that's very much at the heart of what we're putting into our clients solutions as well so as that was the environment page I'll just show some of the others so we've got the social page um, as well here okay and I'll come back to this one in, in a moment in terms of an example of how you would submit submit data manually in lieu of bringing in CloudBridge to incorporate your data that way um, finally, the governance one. So, hopefully, those involved in the ESG sort of realm would be familiar with some of these um, some of these metrics that we'd expect to see. Now, also, um, we talked about frameworks being important, um, and we, what we've done is we've created mappings from these sort of core metrics into the various key frameworks, such as GRI, um, TCFD, um, WEF, etc. If I just go on to this one, you'll see what we're talking about here. So we've got the uh, familiar GRI references here, but we're now collating data up into these totals, making it much easier to then generate the reports further down the line, specifically to whichever framework you want to align to. Okay, And of course, the important point here is not about what the frameworks are right now. That's just the starting point. What's really important is the agility of the solution to move things around and update these. Because these frameworks, are, you know, we, we've talked about they haven't yet been decided, you know, which is going to be the most dominant one. So people are still having to report multiple ones um, as well. But also, they're going to change, and they're going to change a lot more rapidly. In the same way as we saw financial disclosures changing, especially around the time of um, SOX emerging, um, we're going to see a lot of change now for the time being, and we need a solution that's able to do that. And this concept of what we've used with these shared metrics across these frameworks is a very powerful way um, of doing that.
Now I talked about the the need to input data as well. So you know, in lieu of uh, of, of setting up CloudBridge to bring the data in a more automated fashion, let's just take an example here. Um, so you can see here, this would be an example of the H&S metrics that need to be manually entered. Probably a good example because we often find that that's the way with these that these would need to be put in. One thing I will point out here is that at the moment I have no entity, no department and no employee. Now, in reality, that probably wouldn't happen. That in reality would be divided by different entities different departments that need to submit and potentially different employees entering as well and then having them stored and obviously aggregated up to give an overall um, report as well. Now in this example, uh, let's just take it that I am, I am one of the departments from a certain entity that needs to enter these numbers. So very simple forms that can be used and of course these can also be rendered in Excel if people prefer to work in that and as I've said, can also be uh, done on uh, iPads, can be done on a phone, very accessible. Um, so let's just enter some of these as an example. Okay, now we can also put some levels of validation. So if we've got a number going into the fertilities, we might be asked to enter a reason or some, some of the details behind that. We might also have some, some other soft validations that will just make us forced to put a comment in if the value we've put in is a little bit out of step of the history, for example. And we also might have very hard validations where you know, we have to have a specific number in line with something. You know, um, Traditionally, we used to do that with the likes of a balance sheet balancing, or if it needs to reference another piece of data elsewhere in the database. So you're effectively putting a breakdown of a number that already exists. And we can validate on that basis and only let the submission then, you know, take place if those criteria have been met. Again, really, really important when we start thinking about a global need to enter this data. What you can't be doing is at the centre waiting and waiting for people to get the right numbers in. You have to push back that validation to the people entering the data and then wrapping that around with the appropriate workflow as well. Now, that's a bit of an evolution as well in itself because it's a learning curve for people to, to be able to submit in that way. And also you need to look at the levels of which you're going to be inputting data manually alongside what you're also going to be loading data as well and got to do it overall um, holistically. But in this example, just to finish it off, you know, I will put an entry of a fatality um, and then maybe we'll have a reference, you know, um, and then possibly some sort of, you know, incident number um, as well. And as long as I've got that, I'll be allowed to save the data. Okay, and you can see it's gone green. Okay, maybe maybe green's not a good choice for, for a fatality, but what it's saying is, is you've entered that data, you've put the reference that was needed to be entered, um, and then we can move on. So you can imagine this being distilled down to across the organization. Everyone can enter their own data, um, and then you've got all that data centrally that you need to report from. We've seen the different E, the S, and the G, and we also looked there at one of the frameworks as well, rolling up those numbers in a different way. That's great. That's uh, looking at the data capture side of things. Now let's have a look at the reporting. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, <clears throat> uh, going in now into um, the Oracle EPM cloud. Um, this is an application. Um, we pulled together some of, some of the things we've been doing with our clients, um, at, you know, for illustrative purposes. And let's walk through some of those, and I'll talk about some of the ideas as well, um, and the evolution of where we're going with these solutions as well. 
first thing I want to show is just going back into the application we were in before. Um, this is a relatively straightforward dashboard. Um, you can see in this case it's around the um, you know diversity, male, female breakdown of the workforce and management and, and so on. Numbers that we would have seen earlier on. Very easy to set up these dashboards. Can be then applied against specific departments or, or against entities. Um, and just a useful starting point in terms of a dashboard journey. Now I'm going to move into narrative reporting. So for those who are not familiar, it's another one of the sort of process modules within the EPM cloud, fully integrated within the EPM cloud. It's talking to all that same set of data for all intents and purposes. It's the same application. Um, the first one I'll just open up is the monthly management report here. So um, a more traditional style of reports, this one. Um, and this is now looking at how we would ordinarily in the past have been looking um, at a monthly report focused maybe just on financials, maybe some KPIs. But what I want to illustrate here is that it's no longer about that. We've got to start holistically bringing in all of our ESG metrics. They're just as important now as those financials. So you can see in this example here, traditional view of your actuals for the month and then for the year to date with some comparators and a full year outlook as well. And if I scroll down, you know, the normal sort of boring stuff, you know, profits here, then some of the normal KPIs that we would normally expect to see in terms of uh, units and average prices. But now I've added a selection here just to illustrate what a lot of our clients are now doing with this data. Now it's all combined in one place. Um, and they're able here, you know, to, to, to bring this data around emissions, around the other sort of social factors as well, and um, have that aligned in the same report as where we're looking at financials. And I think that's very much the way forwards um, now as well. Um, just close that for a second. I'll just go back to one that um, really is just a recreation of one of the forms that we've seen before, but this is still quite common, organisations producing this sort of report, which is just the full year plans, um, you know, year by year, and again, through the environment, then the social stats and so on and so forth. Now, the other big part of narrative, of course, <clears throat> is that we can actually start to build our sustainability reports with narrative commentary within them. And I'm just going to show here an example that we've used. Um, let me just go straight into the report. And you can see here that we will bring, um, you know, a mixture of illustrative as well as all of the numbers. But the numbers in this report are always coming from our database. And that's absolutely key in terms of that one version of the truth. So you can see here, you can have some really nice rich graphics in terms of this example. It's a focus, on, you know, on, on the sustainability goals here. Um, but as we go down, you can imagine these are the numbers coming from the database. We're able to add commentary as we see fit. Um, if I go down to one that I've just specifically updated, you can see here are the client climate numbers and um, we were looking at before and these will feed directly into the report. Very nice formatted, very nice production as well. Now just coming out of that, just one last point about narrative for those who aren't familiar with it and I'm just going to open up one of the standard reports. Obviously I can't really share a client um, report themselves but for those who are not familiar what narrative brings to you is this concept of you know workflow for all the different elements of the report, not just the numbers, but also, of course, the the, um, the narrative itself, and the idea that obviously the numbers need to go through a route, you know, you know, the rigor of controls and to be signed off, but so does the narrative as well. 
And that's one side to it. Of course, the other side is, you know, it really accelerates the whole production of annual reports, sustainability reports, etc. because multiple people can be working on it at the same time. And then you submit effectively through a pyramid up to the, or, you know, through a set of authors up to be signed off at the end. Um, as well. So really leveraging what's already out there in terms of the Oracle narrative reporting solution, but it's absolutely perfectly suited to what we will need to do now and what we've started doing with our clients in terms of their ESG journey as well. Okay, so that concludes sort of the overview of, of the solution. As I said, I would suggest jumping onto the website, take a look at some of the deeper dive videos there as well. Um, but for now, I think that's a, that's a good overview for us. That's great. The first thing I want to show... There we go. That's great. Thanks, Andrew. Good. And what I hope we establish there is, is a good preview of the fact that um, there is an architectural approach and there is a solution available to simplify the ESG reporting process to give you the confidence in those numbers um, and to be able to adapt and manage to multiple different frameworks within a single uh, platform, which I think is a, a tremendous advantage. And of course, as Andrew's been evangelizing to integrate your ESG planning with your core financial planning. So in the last couple of minutes, uh, ways in which Cubix may be able to help you. We have um, a, what we call a kind of an accelerator to help people get, get started on the ESG reporting. We just want to briefly tell you what that means and what it's all about. So first of all, the approach that we'd like to take is to just understand where you are with your ESG reporting. Perhaps you've determined your frameworks uh, or framework, or perhaps you're at the stage where you're trying to make that decision. Either way, we can work with your consulting team, with your sustainability teams, or introduce you to some of our partners who can help in this area. And what we then do is then determine what, well, what is the approach to streamline that process, that reporting process, without obviously compromising the outcomes. So we'll work with you, and Andrew will explain the right-hand side of the slide in a minute. We'll work with you through that process to give you um, that, that solution. Benefits of that approach is this will be a single bold stroke essentially to create an enterprise scale platform to manage your ESG reporting today and into the future. It will reduce the time and cost to deliver that ESG analytics and reporting across your organization. And, and as we've said, we can integrate that into your core corporate planning environment as well. And as an output from the exercise, as, as we've talked about, you can then take the data and report that through the narrative modules, either perhaps TCFD, because that's coming shortly for UK companies, SASB, GRA, as we mentioned. But the approach that we want to take, and of course, Andrew is probably best place to talk about this. Andrew, just sort of talk, talk through exactly what we do within the accelerator. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, I should say we 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 built this um, this this route, you know, based upon the ACCA recommendations for their pathway to implement ESG solutions, and then we brought our own sort of IP to it as, as well. Um, if you look at the first stage, really, that's around data definition. So, you know, it's defining what those metrics are that you're going to gather. Are they available? What do you need to do to make them available? Um, the next step, we start to move into that processing of data, you know, where we talked about CloudBridge before, the automation and collection, you know, of this data, organizing it, cleansing it, getting it ready for use. Then we really move into a data analysis sort of phase where we can start to work with that data for our own analysis. Um, and then beyond that, we'll move into obviously the reporting side of things um, and also the monitoring and ongoing cycling. And of course, the really important bit, of course, which is the integrating it fully with your whole FP&A sort of framework as well. Yeah, great, Andrew. Thanks. That that definitely gives um, a sense of what the accelerator is going to do. I think, as I said, the output is 
we've got a clear vision as to how to build an architecture to deliver ESG reporting on a repeatable scale basis with that future flexibility. So that concludes our, our webinar discussion today. And what we'd like you to consider doing is booking a more, uh, more detailed demonstration and discovery workshop with us. Um, we're very open to, to working on those sessions. They, they typically take about three hours. Um, and if you click on, uh, sorry, if you, if you snap that QR code there, it will take you to uh, a page where you can sign up and join us. Uh, and uh, yeah, sign up and, and take advantage of that demonstration and discovery workshop opportunity. So I think that's it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for your yeah. expertise and your words of wisdom there. And we'd like to thank you all for uh, joining this webinar today. As always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of QPod brought to you by the Cubix Group. We are a global specialist in ERP, EPM and analytics solutions. Please visit www.cubix.com to discover more great insights and content.